Well, good morning, Impact City Church. How's everyone doing today? Y'all ready for Easter Sunday? All right, we are glad you're here. This is the Easter service here at Impact City Church. We're just so excited that you guys are here. Um, this whole week, we have been just busting tail. In fact, this whole month, we have just been busting tail, trying to just get stuff ready and prepare. And we were doing door-to-door handouts and, you know, on foot doing all that. We were prepping and, you know, getting ready for uh, the barbecue here in a little while. And just kind of prepping for all the fun stuff we're going to have. Uh, we're doing baptisms here later on in the afternoon. And uh, we're doing, getting ready for that. So we have a lot going on today. And it's just been a lot of work. But you know what? It's worth it. And every single one of you guys here is worth it to us to do all that work. And we are just so happy to be able to serve you guys and be here for you. Now, the Easter Sunday is today. This is Resurrection Sunday. I don't know if you guys have even thought about that. Let it kind of sink into your brain. Let it marinate on your brain for a little while. But someone 2,000 plus years ago was raised from the dead. That doesn't happen every now and then. Like, I don't know how many people know someone who was brought back from the dead. It, it doesn't happen. And listen, here's the difference, though, because if you look at the Old Testament, you look at the Bible, there's a lot of people that got brought back from the dead, right? Lazarus was brought back from the dead. The little boy in the town of Nain was brought back from the dead. But eventually, they died again. The difference between that and Jesus is the fact that Jesus is still alive. Amen? And we can give him a round of applause because Jesus is still alive and he is still reigning on the throne. Amen. I love that. That's not even the best part of the story, though. Like, that's awesome, right? Like, we get excited that, that Jesus died and he was risen from the dead. But the best part of the story is that when he was risen from the dead, he brought back uh, to life from, you know, the dead, and he defeated death in its grave, and he brought us the ability to have eternal life with him. And that, my friends, is the best part of the gospel. We'll talk about that a little bit later on today. Um, again, I am so excited that you guys are here um, there was plenty of other places that you guys could be at today. I understand that. Plenty of other churches that are bigger and probably have a lot more activities going on. But you guys chose to spend your Easter here with us. And we're so thankful and glad. I promise you, we're going to make you guys feel at home here at Impact City Church. Um, I don't know why you're here. I don't know what brought you here. Um, it could have been, you know, that you found an invite card on your front door. It could have been that you saw one down there at Starbucks or Fuzzy's Tacos or wherever we had dropped off the, the cards. Uh, it could have been that maybe someone invited you to church and you were like got a card from you were like a store and you were a checker or a clerk or a waitress and you got an invite card from one of our people. And I don't know if you're invited by a friend. I don't know if you're here just to see the baptisms here in a little while after service. Uh, I don't know if maybe you heard the, the, the ad on the radio. We were on the rig. We were on the shark. Uh, and if you heard the ad on the radio, I don't know why you were here. I don't know if you were cl- uh, conned by one of your family members and said, hey, we're going to a barbecue. You're like, all right. And so you end up like, this isn't a barbecue. You're like, oh, it's sort of, I sort of told the truth. There's a barbecue after service. But here, just sit down. Here you go. Relax. Here's some coffee. You know, whatever it is, whatever reason you're here, I don't believe it's by chance. I firmly don't believe that. I believe that God has been orchestrating uh, things in and around you that have led you to be here today. And I think it's an amazing opportunity that you guys have to all come here together and worship Christ on Resurrection Sunday. I hope you guys feel at home here as well. Uh, We have coffee in the back. Y'all feel free to just kind of make yourselves comfortable. Uh, I say that with caution. So, like, you want to kick your shoes off, that's fine. If your feet stink, that's between you and the person next to you. 
This is Impact City. We kind of relax here, okay? So it's up to you guys. A um, couple of things. Uh, again, worship folders. I told you about that in the beginning. Um, if this is, yeah, one of these, this is for you to keep. It's all information about the church in here. Um, there's the offering envelope. That's for our owners and those who want to donate to the church. If you're a guest, just don't even worry about that. And then also, uh, what we would like from you guys, though, is a connection card. Uh, feel free Fill this out throughout the service. Take your time. It's okay. And then at the end of service, when you're walking out, after we pray for the offering and everything at the end of service, drop this in the offering box. This would be your offering to us is this card right here. And in the back is prayer requests. If you have a prayer request and you you don't want to tell me who you are, just don't fill out your name. And just give me the prayer request and we'll be praying for you guys as well. So that we have that there as well. Uh, Bibles, we have Bibles at the end of the, of the rows. If you need a Bible, tell the person in the row, hey man, give me the Bible. You know, so they can pass one on down to you. That is yours to keep, by the way. If you don't have a Bible, that is yours to keep. You don't have to feel like you got to steal it. You don't got to feel like you got to like, tuck it under your, your shirt and like you know, be all sneaky. Like, that, don't see that's yours. You can take it out. It's okay. We're not going to look at you weird. It's all right. All right, guys, y'all ready to go, get started on the sermon? I have to admit, I am just, I'm, I'm kind of excited. I'm just, I'm just, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm having a good day today. All right, so for the past few weeks, we've been talking about this word change. And we've been saying that when we come to know Jesus, there are certain things that change in our life. That they're evidence of, the, of your relationship with Jesus that things change in your life. We talked about a couple of things. Uh, the first thing we talked about, we started the, the series off of talking about relationships. We said that, that when you have a relationship with Jesus, your relationship with the opposite sex, or how you view your relationship with your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife, whatever situation you have, changes. You start thinking differently about the way you are with them. The other thing we talked about, which is one thing that we never really talk about too much in, in church, but we probably should because it's all over the Bible, is money. We said that, that when we have a relationship with Jesus, our view and the way we handle our money, the way we spend our money, the way we invest our finances, the way we handle what God has given us changes. That, that we can do it our way, we do it God's way. That changes. And last week we talked about our purpose in life. We said that we have a purpose in life, we have a, a reason for living, and we have, we're trying to talk about what that is. And once we know Jesus, that our purpose for living changes. That we may have our own opinions and the way we want to do things and what we feel is right. And that actually changes once we know Jesus. And while we're going through this, these, 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 these topics, we asked ourselves three questions. The first question was this. Was, what does the world say about this topic? Like, what does the world say about relationships? What does the world say about how I should date my boyfriend or girlfriend? What does the world say about who I should date? What does the world say? We said, what does the world say about money? Does the world say that I need to, you know, save, save, save and, 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 and kind of keep my money to myself? Or what should I do with that money? How should I spend it? How should I invest it? What should I spend it on? And then we talked about how, uh, what does the world say about our purpose? What is the reason why we are here on earth? And that's a question that we all might struggle with at one point, whether we're young children or later on in life, when we've looked back over 30-some years and we see not much progress has been made since high school in our lives. And we ask ourselves, why am I even here? And then we ask ourselves the next question. We said, what if, if, if I know what the world says about these things, what does God's Word say about these things? 
So, you know, if the world says that our relationships should be like this, what does the Bible say? What does God's word say about how I should date, who I should date, what that relationship should look like when I'm in that relationship? And then we talked about money, how God says that we should spend our money, invest our money. What does God say we should do? And how is God going to provide for us when we obey him in his way? And if you remember, we had like eight pounds of Skittles up here. And we were like, I I did the whole illustration on the Skittles overflowing into the cup. Y'all remember that? If you don't remember that, look it up on YouTube. It's there. And if you have cavities from that day, I'm sorry. But we, uh, people are like walking out with bags of Skittles. They're just like, ha-ha, you know. So we talked about money. And then we talked about the purpose of our life. That once we know Jesus, what does God's word say about our purpose? What does the Bible say about why we were created? Why we were fashioned inside of our mother's wound? Why are we are made? What is the purpose of life according to God? And then we ask those two questions. The last question we ask, if we know what the world says and we know what God's word says, then what are we going to do about it? What changes in our lives do we need to make to adapt to what God's word says? Or are we going to keep things going the way that the world says? Or if we already know what God's word says, are we going to reaffirm those things? And that was what we were doing. And listen, those, those three questions, if you're a Christian, are vital in life. They're important. Because the Bible isn't just something that we kind of turn to for advice. It's what we call God's standard. It's not his suggestion. So we live by God's standard. And so as Christians, whenever we come to a new, you know, belief or we we come to a new trend or something, a life change in our life, we should always ask ourselves, what does the world say about this? What does God's word say about this? And what am I going to do about this? That goes for everything in life. But like I said, the, the Bible is God's standard and not his suggestion. We do everything through the Bible here at the church. It, and people say, well, the, the Bible, it, it's like a roadmap to life. Like, there, 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 there's maps in here. Uh, there's one. But I don't think you're going to go anywhere here, you know, lately. People say, well, the Bible is like, uh, it's like a guideline to life. Like, we kind of use it as a guideline. Well, I was looking for like a list or like a step-by-step process in here, and I can't find one. It's not so much of a guideline as this our standard. It's a living, breathing thing. And that is why these questions were so important to us. And so we, we live by it. We live by what it says and what it tells us. And I've never heard someone say, well, I started following Jesus and my marriage fell apart. But more likely, if your marriage fell apart after you started following Jesus, the other person probably wasn't following Jesus and there was some conflict there and it wasn't resolute, you know, resolved. Some people say, uh, I never heard someone say, I started following the Bible and my whole life got wrecked. Everything sucks from now on. I, I never heard that before. God tells us what to do in his word, not just for his glory, but for our benefit, even though we might not like it at times. But we have to trust that and have faith that when God says to do something, we don't look at it as a suggestion. We look at it as a command or a standard but to live by. And sometimes it's hard to do that. Sometimes it's hard to look at but we have to do it and trust in Christ. Now, uh, many of us came here because we were thinking about, okay, change. I've been hearing this. I want to know what this is about. And many of us, I think, really want a change in life. I think some of us have come here, and maybe we're looking for that change. And maybe the life is kind of in a rut. I've always used the illustration of going through the mud and getting stuck in the rut, and you just can't get out of that rut. It's so deep in, in the mud. Maybe we feel like that. Maybe we feel like you want to change in, in your career. 
Maybe we're like, I'm tired of just going to and from work, to and from work. I don't feel like I'm doing any good in the community. I don't feel like I'm doing any good for my family other than maybe just providing a paycheck. Or maybe you're not even barely even doing that. And you're looking for some way to get up and out of that hump and get out of that rut into something else. Maybe you're looking for a change in your marriage. And you're thinking like, maybe you just need something to change. And like your marriage is on the brinks and it's like on the edge. Like if something doesn't change now, I don't know if we're going to last another year. Maybe your marriage already just did end it. And you're like, man, if nothing doesn't change, if I don't get out of this rut, I'm going to just keep going downward in the spiral. I got to change. Something has to change. I got to start living again. I got to start really, uh, you know, getting out of my, my rut. Maybe you're in a struggle. Maybe you're in a struggle with alcohol addiction or maybe, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're struggling with. Maybe it's lust, pride, anger. Maybe you just get really upset with your kids sometimes and you, you tend to yell at them all the time. And before you know it, you're yelling, yelling, yelling. And before you know it, you're thinking, oh my God, what did I do to my child? I just yelled at them. They're crying now. Maybe you struggle with that and you need a change from that struggle. Maybe you need a change in your dating life or your lack of dating life. Maybe you're like, man, I got to find Mr. Right. Or if I don't find the right girl, like this, is not, this is like, this is going down a bad path. Like, I'm like, you know, 30-some years old. I can't even get, you know, find a good girl. Many of us want change, but not very many of us know how to get there. Many of us want this change. We want to change our life, but we don't know how to make it to there. Okay? And so what I want to do today, I want to look into the scriptures at one of the most biggest changes of anyone's life that we see in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. The scripture is going to be up on the screen for you guys. So Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to be at. And we're going to find out just how we can change in our life. I want to introduce you to a guy named Saul. To a guy named Saul. Now Saul was... um, Saul is a pretty interesting character in the, books of, in the book of Acts, in the whole New Testament. Um, Saul was a leader of uh, the Jewish church. And his job, as, as in his position in life, was to literally go around and arrest practicing Christians. He would uh, also uh, put them on trial. And if he found them gu- uh, guilty of practicing Christianity, he would actually execute them. And have them executed, whether publicly or in, you know, inside of a, the back of the church, whatever he would do, he would have them executed. And so he was a pretty bad guy. He was a pretty crazy job. Earlier in the book of Acts, in chapters 6 and 7, there was a guy named Stephen. And Stephen starts preaching the gospel. He's there preaching. And everyone starts getting really upset with Stephen. And Saul comes up, and he actually orders the execution of Stephen. He has him stoned, and not in the way that you guys are thinking. He has him stoned and has him murdered and executed right there in front of the whole uh, court. And as Stephen is going down, he still keeps preaching the gospel. Saul was that heartless. He was the type of guy that would just murder people because they believed in God. He would murder them because they believed in Jesus Christ. He was a pretty, pretty bad guy. Some may say very sinful of a man as well. But one day, something happened that changed his life. It was something that really kind of took him over. And I want to read about that here. Uh, This is Acts chapter 9, verses verse 1. Read along. It says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. This is right after Stephen was executed. 
It says he went to the high priests and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, which is the way, which is the church, the, 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 um, the, the movement of Christianity at the time, when he found anyone belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound back to Jerusalem, dead or alive, basically. So Saul is literally on his way to Damascus at this moment. He is traveling. He has asked for permission and letters to go into Damascus, pretty much a warrant to go into Damascus and search out Christians and pretty much execute them, put them on trial, uh, arrest them, bring them back for trial. Whatever it is that he pleases to do, he has the authority to do it. And Saul is on his way to do this. And uh, quite literally, on his way over there, uh, he, 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 he meets Jesus. He meets Jesus. Let's keep reading right here. Verse 3. It says, Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he falling, and, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what to do when you're there. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but not seeing no one. Saul arose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. Paul literally ran into a guy that he is persecuting. He literally ran into the guy whose church he is just persecuting and murdering. He ran into the main guy that he was going against. And that guy hit him like a, you know, like out of nowhere, just kind of flashed his light and kind of came upon him. And Saul stood there. And Jesus sees Saul on his way over there, and he, he kind of reveals himself to Saul and drops him on his knees. And he tells Saul, I want you to get up. I want you to go to Damascus, right? I want you to know that Jesus could have done anything at that point to Saul. I mean, this is Jesus we're talking about. This is the guy who walked on water. This is the guy who raises people from the dead. This is the guy who multiplies fish and bread. This is the guy that does amazing miracles, and he literally has the power to calm storms. And he goes over to the guy who was talking smack about him and hurting his people, and he has the power to do anything to him. I want you to know that but because Saul was sinning against Jesus, Jesus literally could just say, you know what? I'm done with you. You're a troublemaker. Boom, snap his fingers. You're dead. Last breath. Come out of there. Jesus literally could have walked up to Saul and, and just ended his life. Jesus also could have not even shown up to Saul. That would have been even worse in a way. Saul could have kept going to Damascus. He could have kept murdering on Christians. He could have kept sinning against God. And because he never met Jesus, he would eventually die and end up in hell. Jesus could have just ignored the problem and walked away from him. But he didn't do that. He had every right to do all those options, and he didn't do that. Let me explain why he had every right. Scripture tells us a few things about sin and like, the, like what, what Paul was, I mean, Saul was doing. He said that, that Scripture says that in 1 John 1, 8, it says that we're all sinners. It says that, for if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So we all have sin. As the other scripture says, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So let's just kind of get that out of the way. You, me, we all have at one point been sinners or are still sinning at the moment. 
Some of us might have done that even before we came into church. We were yelling, screaming, you know, doing something we weren't supposed to be doing at home before we get to church. That's some of us right here today. We all sin. That's why your kids are never told or taught how to lie. You know, notice that your kids are, you don't like teach your kids how to lie. They just do it. Like, you're like, is that yours? No. Where'd you get that? Like, I don't know. I found it. You know, or the toy, like, we let him play with it. They, 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 you, they don't, you don't teach them how to be greedy with their things. They don't share things because they're, we're all born with a sinful attitude already in our hearts. It's the result of the fall. The other thing we know about sin, according to Romans 6.23, is that it's payable by death. That there was a price for sin, and the price of that sin is death. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Remember that. We're going to go back to it in a little bit. So Jesus, because we, Saul was sinning against Jesus, he literally had the authority as God to end Saul's life. Just take it. You sin, payment for sin, death, boom, we're good. Clean slate, or clean slate. But he didn't do that, did he? Jesus didn't just, you know, take the payment and just end his life at that moment. Jesus reveals himself to Saul and sends him to Damascus. And then he also allows Saul to go blind. Now, why is Saul blind? Saul becomes blind because Jesus wanted to humble him at a moment. Jesus wanted him to kind of take it down a notch with his pride. So here Saul, one of the leading priests of the Jewish council, one of the, the head guys trained by one of the most amazing Jewish rabbis of history. And he is just, you know, above himself. He just thinks so highly of himself, a lot, a lot like us. And he just thinks he's all that. And Jesus literally allows him to go blind temporarily And while he is blind in that state, he starts to realize that Jesus Christ really is the Lord. And he starts to really realize who this Jesus is. And it's at that moment Saul starts to see a change in his life. Let's read about that. This is verse 18, a little bit further on down the line in chapter 9. Saul had gone into another house uh, in Damascus, and he was staying there, and then Jesus actually sent a disciple of his to tend to Saul, and the disciple was like, dude, are you serious? That guy's killing people. I don't want to go help that guy, and Jesus like, no, go help him out. I'm, I, I have him chosen. He's doing something awesome for me. Just proof that God can use any of us, you know, and so he goes over there, and as he's, as the disciple is praying over Saul, this happens. It says, and immediately, this is verse 18, it says, immediately something like scales fell from the eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. I like that. As soon as Saul realized Jesus and he had been humbled by Jesus and given his life to Jesus, the first thing he did was be baptized. The first thing he did was be baptized. He said he arose and he was baptized and taking food because he was hungry and he was strengthened. And for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately... He proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is son of God. So this guy who literally, literally was going against Jesus, sinning against Jesus at this time, changed his life when Jesus was revealed to him, gave his life to Jesus, and literally went 360 and started preaching Jesus in the synagogues. He literally became the, the very thing that he was against. His life was changed. He says that later on, he started being called Paul. You might know Paul. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. 
He was an amazing missionary. He went all over the east, planting churches all over the place. He uh, spread the gospel to both Jews and Gentiles. He was one of the best people of the Bible. You talk about the heroes of the Bible. You look at guys like Abraham, Adam. You're thinking about Jonah. You're thinking about Jesus. And you're thinking about Paul. Because he was awesome like that. But the thing about Paul is this. So we can hear this story like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've read that story in Sunday school. I get it. The road to Damascus, you know, pretty cool. Probably makes a really cool looking tattoo and all that. But um, what does that have to do with me? And here's the thing is that the story about Saul is not just a story about Saul turning into Paul and the way that Jesus changed his life. It's a story about us in a way. That we can see ourselves in that story if you look. You see, we've all done things that sin against God. We've all sinned against God. We've already established that. And, you know, we said that uh, they might be things to us aren't that, that really aren't that big, but in, in the eyes of God, they're an eternally just um, sinful thing that we've done. You know, and the list is like forever. We don't even want to get into that. Some of us struggle with lying. Some of us struggle with stealing. Some of us just struggle with pride and temptation. Things that we should be looking at, I mean, things that we shouldn't be looking at. Some of us just don't even treat our spouses with respect or honor. Some of us just struggle with so many things. And because we all struggle with sin, because we all deal with sin, we know that because Scripture says that the payment of sin is death, that we are payable to that. That God owes that to you, that we owe God that. That we have the ability, that God has the ability to just Take that from us. Remember what Romans 6 says, that the wages of sin is death. And if it ended there, it would be a bad story, right? If it ended there, it would be a bad story. But thankfully it doesn't. If we keep reading Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So just as Jesus reached out to Saul, he can reach out to me and you. Just as Jesus reached out to Saul, he can reach out to me and you no matter where we are. Jesus reached out to Saul on the road to Damascus. And when, Jesus, when Saul was being at the worst of his life, sinning against God, killing Christians, he still reached out and used Saul. And if he can reach out to Saul on the road to Damascus, he can reach out to you in your house. He can reach out to you in your car, in the cab of your car. He can reach out to you when you're at work. He can reach out to you in this very seat right now. He can go the distance no matter where you are. He even went to as far as the distance as he went to the cross. The cross. Let's talk about the cross real quick. I'll end with this. Change in our life is possible because Jesus went to the cross for us. The cross is the head-on collision of life and death. The cross is the head-on collision of joy and sorrow. The cross is where Jesus both went to die, and we call it Good Friday because we're not the ones dying on the cross. Jesus can change your life because he gave his life for us. Jesus carried the cross up to the, sco- to the, to the place of the skull. As you heard earlier in, in the sermon, we talked about that, that he carried his cross up to the place of the skull, the hill. When he was there, they decided to lay him down. As he was laying on the cross, they nailed uh, nine-inch nails into his wrists. 
not his hands, because if he nailed it to his hands, when they hung up the body, it would have just fell off the cross. It wasn't strong enough. They went into his wrists right here in between your bones. They nailed nails into his wrist and to the cross, and as they put him there, they, they anchored up his feet just a little bit, and they put a nail in between both his feet. And then they raised him on that day, and when he sat there on the cross, he was bleeding out. And as he was bleeding out, he started to lose strength. See, a lot of people think that when we're on the cross, when, when people are dying on the cross, that we die because of a, a, lo- a loss of blood. That's not true. What really happens is that as you're hanging on the cross, your body starts to slump down over its own weight, and you start to block off your airway. And so literally, to take a breath, you literally have to pull up on the nails that you're being hung by and push up on there, uh, putting out excruciating pain, and in turn, taking a breath, and then losing that effort and that strength because you're so weak and falling down again, only to be suffocating again. And this is a process that goes on and on and on. And Jesus did this for about six hours that day finally he said it is finished he breathed his last breath and he died soldiers came up they took him down off the cross Nicodemus came up and he wrapped him up in a blanket and he took him off to a tomb and they laid him in there and then three days later he rose again bringing back the victory over death so we can have eternal life See, Jesus is the, uh, the change that we need. Jesus is the change that we need uh, for just to make it through life. He's the change for any struggle that we need to overcome. He is the change for our marriage that might be dying, for it go from dying to thriving. He is the change that can turn our life around from sin. He is the only change that we can have. And I'll end with this, just to kind of wrap this up so we can get going. Every single one of us here is going to make a choice. Every single one of us, me included, every single one of us make a choice. And it goes down to two choices here. The first choice is this, is we, can, we came in, we heard the gospel, we heard what, what, what God has done for us. We heard about the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and how now we have payment for sins. And we can hear the gospel and we can hear the fact that it is a free gift for everyone that we choose to accept that we're good. We can hear that and the first choice we can make is we can ignore it and refuse it. And we can just say like, man, whatever, pastor, that's, that's cool. It's y'all's deal. I mean, that's up to you. You guys do your thing. I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. And, and that's your choice. You can say, whatever, pastor, I'm just going to kind of ignore what you said. I'm here for the barbecue, and I'm done, you know? You can say, whatever, pastor, I'm just going to just refuse to believe you. You know what? I don't believe in God. I just got drug here. I don't even want to be here. Your sermon sucked. And, you know, it's, you know I'm, I'm good there, okay? Or you can do this. You can say, you can receive it and believe it as truth. You can say that Jesus Christ did die for me. That there is no other way to redeem my life and continue living without him in my life. You make a choice today to commit your life to him and surrender your life to him. We all have a choice to make today. What choice will you make? Will you choose to accept it as truth or reject it as truth? What I want to do, we're going to play one more song. I'm going to stand up here. If anyone needs prayer, come up here. Then we're dismissed after that. But we're going to do baptisms right after this. 
and then we're going to go and uh, just kind of hang out, barbecue, and, you know, have some fun, play some games, hang out, okay? So let me just pray for you guys. If you would, please just go ahead and uh, just at your seat, just pray. If you need to stand up for prayer, I'm up here as well. We're going to listen to a song, and then uh, we'll be dismissed. Let me just pray over you guys. Father God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for your son, Jesus. God, thank you for just your love for us, for the gracious love that you have for us, that you would allow us to be here today to hear your gospel. Now we pray that we will receive your gospel, that we would receive it well as truth. And I pray that many of us here today will accept it. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for all that you have done for us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's worship.